So sort of continuing on last week where we talked about going from a Bible study to a church. Uh, we covered some of these verses, but I want to cover them in more detail. So what is our purpose, again, of this? Right? What is the purpose of starting a church, of doing this? Um, at the bottom there, it says, Our purpose is not to minister out of a heart of pride, uh, just trying to be different or being self-righteous. Right? The goal here is not, well, we started a church. Look at our church. Right? To have that pride there. You know, this is my church. Um, have four members. Right? Um, it's not out of a heart of pride. Um, we're not just trying to be different. Right? Well, that church there, their music's a little off or... We don't like the way they do this, so we just want to be different, so we're going to start our own thing. Uh, we're not trying to be different. Um, if we are different, it's going to be different in the doctrine, right? Um, and so if no one else around is teaching right doctrine, then someone needs to do it. And so that's kind of the purpose of why I'm starting this. Um, and we're not trying to be self-righteous, right? No, I'm a pastor, right? I go to church. I started my church, right? If someone else was preaching right doctrine, I would just go to that church, right? And I would support him. Um, but we do not have that, unfortunately. So that is the goal, is to start something to where people can come to learn right doctrine, hopefully, and be, again, edified and grow and mature in the word of God, rightly divided. So that's our purpose. Um, our purpose is to see souls saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, so a lot of churches focus on right, preaching the gospel and getting souls saved, but... In 2 Timothy 2, 4, the verse says, God would have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So they should go hand in hand. Yes, see souls saved, preach the gospel, but once they're saved, they need to come to a knowledge of the truth, right? So you have to have a church that stands on truth, that is the pillar and ground of the truth, um, so that people can grow and come to a knowledge of what the truth is. So you have to have uh, both those goals, not just see souls saved, but have them come to a knowledge of the truth, um, which, again, can only be done in... By faith in God, right? You have to have faith in the Word of God for it to work effectually in you, uh, that it is true, and it will work in you. And so that's what we hope to do, is to speak the truth in love to all men. Um, so that is our purpose. And so we'll go through that here in the lesson. First uh, Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, so we talked about that last week. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Um, it doesn't mean that what the church says is truth, um, but they should be the pillar and ground of the truth because they teach the word of God, which is truth, right? So it again goes back to the word of God being that truth, and the church should be where you can go to hear the truth from the word of God. Um, so that is the purpose of the church. Um, so that is our purpose, to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Um, the uh, churches where you should go to hear the truth in Ephesians 4.15 um, where we talked about in Sunday school we covered this verse but I just want to focus on one verse here it says um, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ so again the church is to come into a unity into a mature man hearing this verse what it's talking about um, speaking the truth in love so that we may grow up into Christ in all things, right, which is our head. So we speak the truth in love so that we can grow up into Christ, so that we can edify one another. That is the purpose of the church, to be a pillar and ground of the truth so that we can grow up together into Christ, into uh, who he would have us to be. Um, and again, the, the church is a pillar and ground of the truth because it should be standing upon the word of God. Um, so if you go to Ephesians 1.13, we're going to look at three verses here. Um, and it kind of shows how your life should be uh, as a Christian. 
So these three verses are going to show you the key to your life in a, as a Christian from being saved and to growing. Uh, Ephesians 1.13, it says, In whom, speaking of Christ, is the whom here, ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So this is your salvation, right? Um, you trusted in Christ after you heard the word of truth. So again, that's the gospel, the word of God. Um, the gospel of your salvation, he says, in whom also after that you believe, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you believe the gospel, you believe the word of truth, and then you're sealed with the Spirit of promise, right? So that's salvation. Um, so that's how you're saved, faith in the gospel and being sealed by the Spirit. If you go to 2 Timothy 2.15, so after you're saved, you should be studying the word of God. Um, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, our workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So again, as a Christian, you should want to be approved unto God, right? You should want to be a servant of God as a Christian, uh, and to do the, the Lord's work, to be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, right? You don't want to get to heaven, stand before God, and be ashamed because you didn't work for him as a Christian, right? That's the point here. Um, so you study the word of God, right, to show yourself approved, right? You have to know what God has said, to know how to be a workman for God, uh, that's not going to be a shame. Um, so you're saved in Ephesians 1.13, 2 Timothy 2, you're studying the word of God. Um, and then you go to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, as, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So again, you study the word of God, but you also have to believe it. And that's when it effectually works in you, right? It begins to affect you, right? It works in your life because you're believing the word of God, you're studying it, and now it's working in you, right? Um, so that's how your life as a Christian should look. You're saved, and then you study the word, and it effectually works in you, right? And so again, this is the purpose of the church, to come together, to preach the word, study the word together so that it can effectually work in us and we can be workmen uh, for God that will not be ashamed. Um, and so that means that the doctrine is important, right? You have to have right doctrine. Um, this is very much uh, focused on in Paul's ministry, especially in like Timothy, uh, the books of Timothy, Titus, right? Where he's encouraging Timothy, uh, you got to stay in the doctrine, right? Teach the doctrine, exhort others, preach the right doctrine, right? Because Timothy was going to be Paul's uh, predecessor, right? The one who took over once Paul left. And that's what 2 Timothy is about. So he encourages him, right, to stay in the doctrine. You know what you learned in me. Make sure you're teaching that. Um, but 1 Timothy 1, 3 and 4, he says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions, Rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. And so he tells Paul, I left you in, uh, Paul tells Timothy, I left you in Ephesus so that you could charge some of them there to teach no other doctrine. Right? So he's, he leaves Timothy, and you see this throughout Paul's epistles, where he'll send Timothy to places to make sure they're teaching the correct doctrine, right? to set things in order. Um, he says, don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying. So again, the purpose here is charging that they teach no other doctrine, so that the church can be edified, right? Because endless genealogies, um, fables, uh, these minister questions, right? Well, how do we know this bloodline is actually from this person, 
right? Genealogies, English genealogies. It's just questions that don't edify anybody, right? The doctrine is what edifies the church. And he says, um, so you do, right? That's what you need to do. Teach correct doctrine so that it can edify. Uh, so the doctrine is important. Uh, Titus 1, that so we did not read this last week, so we'll read it this week. Um, basically, Titus 1, 2, and 3, all of it is talking about preaching right doctrine. Um, so there's quite a few verses here, but uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, he says in verse 7, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So again, this is the office of the bishop. His responsibility here in verse 9 is to hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught, uh, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So I'll just stop right here, um, going back to our um, question and answer time. Notice he says, hold forth for the faithful word as he has been taught. Well, who has he been taught by? Right. Again, he's been taught by somebody. Here it probably would have been Paul. Uh, but the point being, he wasn't given a special gift to where he didn't need to be taught. Right? That's what was happening when God gave the gift of apostles and pastors and teachers. These people didn't need to be taught because they had the special gift given from Christ. Right? They were taught by Christ himself. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Um, today you have to teach others. Right? He gives Timothy to charge people to teach another doctrine. Right? He's telling Titus, as you've been taught, continue in that doctrine. Um, but he says you have to know the doctrine, hold fast the faithful word, so that by sound doctrine you can exhort and convince the gainsayers. So again, you have to know the doctrine if you're going to exhort people who are wrong, right? If you're going to convince them where they're wrong, right? You have to be able to do that by sound doctrine. Verse 10, he says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. So you see, that's the importance of being able to communicate and teach right doctrine so that you can stop the mouths of people who are teaching wrongly. Right? And again, we said that's the difference between a Bible study and a church. A Bible study, you just kind of ask questions and study it. right? And Okay, you said that, I say this. Whereas a church, it says, this is the doctrine. If you're saying that, you need to leave right? because that's wrong. This is the truth. This is what's right. If you disagree, you can go somewhere else. Uh, but we try to convince and exhort the gainsayers, those who are wrong. Right? Paul says their mouths need to be stopped. Uh, he says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So again, you rebuke those who teach wrong doctrine because you want to see them become sound in the faith, right? become sound in right doctrine. Um, not giving heed to Jewish fables and the commandments of men that turn from the truth. So again, people teach tradition. They teach commandments of men. You rebuke them, people, right? They need to know the truth of the word of God. He says, unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know not God, but in works they deny him, uh, being abominable and disobedient in every good work reprobate. So they say they know God, but their actions speak otherwise, right? because they're not teaching the truth, and they're acting according to what they're teaching, which is wrong, right? Um, he says, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine. So again, Titus, you need to speak things that become sound doctrine. Uh, this is his point here. Why? Verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. 
So what he's saying here is sound doctrine is what's going to affect the others, right? He says you teach sound doctrine that the aged men can be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, uh, in charity and patience. So that's right doctrine that affects other people so that they can be right, spiritually sound and established in the faith and do the work of the Lord. Uh, same in verse 3, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as become of holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say to you. So you see what he's saying here. The doctrine is important, and you need to live according to the doctrine, righteously, um, so that others can't speak evil of you, but also so you can minister to the old, uh, both men and women and the young, that they live a righteous life, right? that they live a life pleasing to God, is what he's saying here. Uh, verse 9, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not forewarning, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Uh, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So you see there, teaching us uh, that denying uh, ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So that's what correct doctrine does. It teaches you to live godly, right? Um, and he talks about uh, the gospel of grace, salvation appearing to all men. Uh, talking about Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So again, that's what right doctrine does. It effectually works in you, so that you can be zealous of good works for the Lord. Um, so again, that's why the doctrine is important. The doctrine is what's going to work in you and affect how you behave. If you believe incorrectly, you're going to act incorrectly. Right? If I believe all i got to do is give, then I'm just going to give, and who cares what I do over here? Right? It's the right doctrine working in you that's going to affect how you behave. Um, so again, it has to be biblical and not the teaching of men. Um, you see this also throughout Paul's epistles where he says, Beware of men's commandments. Um, Colossians 2.22, he's talking about touch not, taste not, handle not, these commandments that you're putting yourself under. He says, which are all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Again, these things that the Colossians were doing, he says, you need to stop doing that because it's the commandments and doctrines of men. Right? What you're doing is tradition, basically. Um, so you need to stop. Um, Ephesians 4, verse, sorry, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So apparently there's doctrine of men, and then there's also doctrines of devils. So again, you have to know what is right doctrine, so that you're not deceived by the doctrines of men or the doctrines of devils. Uh, here it says it's seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that speak lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. So this was the doctrines of devils there. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Think about the meats one, uh, commanding people to abstain from certain meats. People still do that today, 
right, for spiritual reasons. Like, it's okay if you say, well, I just don't want to eat pork because I don't want to. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you say, God said not to do that, or it's wrong if you do that, well, now you're teaching a doctrine from God that isn't scriptural, right? Here it says it's a doctrine of devils to command people to abstain from meat, right? Maybe it's, well, God will bless you if you don't eat pork, right? Because in the law, he says you shouldn't eat pork. So he's going to bless you if you don't do that. That's not correct, right? That's not accurate. Um, so again, you have to know the right doctrine, and the doctrine that you believe and act according to will affect how you how you live. Second um, Timothy four verse one, he says, "I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, that is appearing in His kingdom." So he's charging Timothy. He says, "I charge you before the Lord, right? The Lord Jesus before God." Uh, he says, "Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season." Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall, shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He basically saying, I'm charging you before the Lord God, Timothy, that you exhort, rebuke with all long suffering uh, and doctrine. Right? So he's saying to them, basically, teach the right doctrine, exhort people with the right doctrine, stay in the right doctrine. He says, because the time's going to come when people don't want to hear sound doctrine. Right? And they're going to go after teachers that uh, scratch their ears. Right, basically, They're going to go after the people that tell them what they want to hear. That's what he said. He said, but I'm charging you. Make sure you teach sound doctrine. So again, you see all throughout Paul's uh, epistles where he com commands people, right, teach the right doctrine. Right? Stay true to the doctrine. Uh, Romans 16, 17, he says, Mark them which teach things contrary to the doctrine and avoid them. Right? And so you see also where Paul does this throughout his ministry. This person over here, they're teaching wrong. Avoid that person. Right. So again, you have to not only teach right doctrine, but to be able to identify what is wrong doctrine so that you can exhort those people right? and say, hey, that's wrong, shouldn't be doing that, or that's incorrect, that's not biblical. Uh, so again, this is the purpose of the, the church, right? to be the pillar and ground of the truth, a place where we teach right doctrine, right? and then we also exhort and point out uh, what is wrong, what is contrary to Scripture. And of course, the key is to make sure you are rightly dividing so that you are ministering the correct gospel and the right doctrine uh, for this age. So if you go to Galatians 1, verse 6 through 9, it says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which, was, uh, which we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, and that you have received, let him be accursed. So Paul says, no, I'm troubled that you've removed yourself into another gospel. He says, if anyone preaches another gospel, whether it's an angel or a man, let that person be accursed. Right? So again, you have to know what is the right gospel. And if someone teaches a wrong gospel, let that person be accursed. Right? Don't listen to that person. Um, so again, you have to rightly divide to know what the right gospel is because there are more than one in your Bible. Um, also, you have ones that aren't in the scripture that people make up. You have to make God Lord of your life if you want to be saved. Have you made him Lord of your life yet? What does that even mean? Right? What does that look like? And people fall to that. Well, you know, I'm just not sure if I've made him Lord of my life yet. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Um, he died for you. He's resurrected so that you can have forgiveness of sins. You just got to have faith in what he did. That's the gospel, right? Um, it's not making him Lord of your life. Once you do that, he is your head because you're a member of the body of Christ. He becomes Lord of your life because he did the work. It's not that you make him Lord of your life and that's how you get saved. That's uh, works-based salvation. Right? So again, you have to identify these things. 
Um, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Well, what if he doesn't want to? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe Jesus doesn't want to come into your heart. So what does that mean? How do you know if he did? Right? That's not the gospel, right? The gospel is faith in what he did, and his spirit will seal you, right? His spirit will enter your life, right? He doesn't actually come into your heart, right? Um, so again, you have to be careful of some of these things that people say. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 3-4, Paul says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So again, Paul says this, just as Satan deceived Eve, he says, I'm worried that you may also be deceived from the simplicity that is in Christ. Think about that. The simplicity that is in Christ. It's simple when you think about it. He died for your sins, resurrected, says you have eternal life. It's simply faith in that, right? And that's hard for us as humans because we want to do something. Right? That's, that's too easy. Right? Or that's too hard to believe. He died and resurrected. Like, really? Right? So it's, it's simple. You just have to have faith. And so he says, I worry that you'll be deceived. He says, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. That's an interesting statement. Another Jesus. Right? So you think about people that teach things about Jesus that maybe aren't true. That's another Jesus. Right? Um, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, you might well bear with them. So in other words, he said, I'm worried about you that you might be deceived um, because someone might come and preach another Jesus, give you another spirit, or preach another gospel, um, and you might bear with them, right? You might follow that. And so Paul is worried uh, here for those uh, at Corinth. He wants them to have the right Jesus, the right spirit, the right doctrine, right? The right gospel. Um, so again, you have to rightly divide and study so that you know uh, which one you're following after. 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 11. It says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, having turned aside into vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor where they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So here he's saying, um, basically there are people that desire to be teachers of the law, but they don't understand what they're saying, right? Because they teach the law today, but we're not under the law, right? Um, and he says, you need to avoid them or correct them um, and all the things that they teach there in verse 9 and 10. Um, and he says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. So again, what was committed to Paul. You have to know what gospel that was and the ministry that Paul was given. Uh, so again, many people teach the law today. They put people under the law, but we're not under the law. Right? So you've got to be able to know that and identify that. And so again, that's our purpose here is to be that pillar and ground of the truth, uh, speaking the word of God, rightly divided. Um, and so that's number one, is to be a pillar and ground of the truth. Number two is to make all men see the mystery. So we sing that song, right, to make all men see the mystery. That is our purpose as the church. Um, this begins with seeing souls saved. Um, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 through 6, it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved, and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So again, God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, and that comes through Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, right? And of course, that's the gospel that we preach. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, Paul talks about how we were given the ministry of reconciliation, right? God was reconciling Christ, uh, the world, to himself through Christ on the cross, and he's given to us that ministry of reconciliation, right? So we are to minister the gospel, uh, which is our ministry of reconciliation. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, talks, Paul talks about the gospel that we preach, right? He tells the Corinthians, uh, the gospel whereby ye are saved is that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, was buried, and three days later rose again, according to the scriptures, right? So that is the gospel we preach today, Christ's death, uh, burial, and resurrection. Um, so our ministry is to shine forth the light of the gospel of grace, right? To see souls saved. In Philippians 2, 15 through 16, it says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So notice he says, uh, in a perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. So again, we are to hold forth the word of light, and that's how we are lights in the world, right? By preaching the gospel, holding forth the word of life. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4, through 4, Paul talks about, uh, he says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So if the gospel is hid, it's hid to the lost, uh, because the God of this world has blinded their their minds so that they can't see the light of the gospel of Christ. Right? So that light that we hold forth today and preach is the gospel of Christ. Um, and only the saved can discern spiritual things. So again, if our purpose is to be a pillar and ground in the truth and to edify the body of Christ, uh, we have to see souls saved because only saved are going to be uh, affected by the word of God. It's only going to work effectually in those who believe it. You have to believe it for it to work in you. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Uh, so here he's saying we have the Spirit, right? So we can discern spiritual things. We can know the things that have been freely given to us of God. Uh, he says, verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. Uh, verse 14, he says, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned, right? And so the things of God are spiritually discerned. You have to have the Spirit, and that comes by faith in God, right? And so it's your faith and having the Spirit uh, that's going to help you and allow you to understand spiritual things, right? Um, and so we have to see souls saved if we're going to see uh, people grow in the Word of God because they have to be saved and have the Spirit to be able uh, to know it. And then lastly, to make all men see uh, what is the fellowship of the mystery. And so in Ephesians 3, 6 through 11, Paul says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. 
Of the me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Jesus Christ our Lord. So again, our ministry is to make all men see the fellowship of the mystery. Paul says, um, uh, I think it's further down, but he says in Corinthians, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? And this was the ministry that Paul was given, was to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. It says also our ministry as ambassadors for Christ uh, is to make people see uh, this mystery. Um, and it's there in Ephesians 2 where he talks about this mystery is Gentiles can be fellow heirs with Christ. Right? It's no longer just Jews. It's Jew and Gentile in this one body, right? saved by the gospel. So that's what the mystery is. It's this body of Christ, uh, this new creature. Uh, he also covers it in Colossians 1, 25 through 29. And so that is our purpose, right? To be a pillar and ground of the truth, to make all men see uh, what is the fellowship of the mystery, and that begins with seeing souls saved, right? And then teaching them uh, the truth of the word of God. Uh, and then lastly, again, to edify the church. So our goal is not just to see souls saved, but also to edify the church, right? To build up the members of the body of Christ, uh, to see people mature and grow in Christ. Um, this is why we come together. Um, Romans 14, 19. It says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. He says, Follow after things that make for peace, but also things that edify one another. And so we are to follow things to see right, how can we edify one another. Um, and how can we build up one another into Christ? 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So again, you should have some context here in 1 Corinthians 14 where he's talking about the gifts that were given. Uh, he says, Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So again, the Corinthians, they said, well, we want the gifts, right? We're zealous to have gifts. We want to be able to speak in tongues and heal people and uh, prophesy. But he says you need to be zealous more to edify the church. Right? Again, that's more excellent. It's to edify and build up the church than to be able to have a spiritual gift. Right? The purpose of the gifts were to edify the church. And if you're not doing that, what's the point of your spiritual gift? Right? And so again, we come together to edify the church. We should seek to excel uh, in edifying one another. Um, and again, this is why the doctrine and right division matters. What are you going to edify them by? That has to be right doctrine. Paul says in Romans 16, 25 through 27, Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So again, Paul says, Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel. Right, so you can be established according to Paul's gospel, right? according to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now it's made manifest. Right? You're established according to scripture, and that's the mystery. Right? But he says, and uh, the scriptures and the prophets. So you also can be edified by all scripture, right? by the prophets and the scriptures, uh, which is according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Again, you're established, you're edified by the word of God, right? The truth. Um, Colossians 2, 6 through 10. 
Paul says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him. So again, the word edify means to build up. And he says you're to be rooted and built up in Christ. Right? That's what we're trying to edify and build up here as members of the body of Christ into Christ, right? to grow up into him. Uh, he says, establish in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Um, so again, if we're going to try to edify one another, it has to be according to after Christ, right? According to the truth. Verse 8, he says, Beware lest any man spoils you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. So again, this is what a lot of churches do, right? It's tradition, right? Or it's philosophy, right? Um, it has to be according to Christ. It has to be according to the scripture. Uh, because it's in Christ, verse 9, uh, it's for it's in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Right? You are complete in Christ as a member of, uh, of his body. Right? You don't have to have a ritual. You don't have to follow traditions. You don't have to do certain things to be complete. You are complete in Christ, and so you're to be built up into him. Right? So that is our purpose here. Uh, and so it has to be according to right doctrine. If you go to 1 Corinthians 4, 16 through 17, Paul says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. And so he has uh, them uh, to follow him. Again, as he followed Christ, we'll see that here in a minute. But he's asking them, I beseech you, follow me. Be followers of me. Um, can you turn that off? get off. Um, he says, For this cause I have sent Timothy, uh, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So he's telling them to be followers of me. I'm beseeching you to be followers of me. I'm going to send Timothy to you so that he can, again, remind you, put you in remembrance of the things that I teach. Right? So that's what's going on here. Um, it's interesting, too, the only other person, I can say the only other person, but it's very similar to what Christ said. Right, many people quote Jesus where he came and says, well, Be followers of me, and I will make you fishers of men. You've heard that quote a lot, right? You've got to be followers of Christ so we can be fishers of men. What about Paul? Right, he says, I beseech you to be followers of me. Is he saying we should follow Paul and not Christ? Right? Because many people say that. Well, you worship Paul. We follow Christ. You follow Paul. Um, 1 Corinthians 11 Verse 1, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So we follow Paul according to how Paul followed Christ. Because Christ gave Paul a mystery that was kept secret. Right? And so if that was given to Paul, well, Paul knows what that mystery is now. Right? And he's telling us, so we're going to follow Paul according to what he received from Christ. Right? We're not going to bypass Paul and say, well, what did Jesus say back here to Israel? Right? And that's where the right division comes in. Matthew Mark, Luke, and John is Jesus saying, follow me uh, as I take you into this kingdom, right? According to the law, according to the covenant. That's what they're following Jesus saying, uh, according to. Whereas Paul says, be followers of me as I follow Christ, because I have this mystery. Right? Um, so he says, I send Timothy to teach you my ways, to put you in remembrance of what I taught you. Right? Um, so again, it has to be according to right doctrine. If we're going to edify one another, if we're going to build up uh, the church, it's got to be according to right doctrine. And so right division matters. You have to know what the doctrine is for today. 
So again, it's that we can grow up into Christ and be good ambassadors for him. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors for Christ. Right? An ambassador is someone who represents another person or another country. Right? So again, if you're representing Christ, think about what that means. Right? How should you act? How should you live? How should you, right? What should you teach? Right? You should teach truth. You should act according to how uh, Christ would have you act as his ambassador. Right? You're his ambassador here on earth. He's going to take you back to where you belong, which is your position in heavenly places. But right now, you're his ambassadors here on earth. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, we read that where all scripture is given uh, and is profitable for doctrine, correction, um, reproof, instruction, and righteousness so that we can be thoroughly furnished unto all good work. Right? So that we can be perfect, mature. So again, if we're going to edify one another, it has to be according to the scripture because that's what scripture is for, to make us perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Um, and then we also read Titus 2 earlier where he talks about... Uh, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ has now appeared, uh, teaching us to deny ungodliness, right, so that we can be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So again, that's the purpose of uh, the body of Christ, uh, to minister correct doctrine, to minister the gospel, so that people can be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, so that we can be ambassadors for Christ, zealous of good works, right, works for Christ. Um, so again, this is our purpose here. This is what we're trying to do. We're not just trying to be different or have our own thing or be prideful about what we're doing here, right? Saying we started a church, right? Look at us. No, the point is that we can be a pillar and ground of the truth to teach right doctrine so that souls can be saved uh, and saints can be edified. Any thoughts or questions?